1: Welcome into the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast, the 12th and final edition of our post-game podcast, coming to you live from Beaver Stadium, where the lights are still bright, but in terms of football, shutting up shop until the blue-white game next spring. Hard to believe in some ways, Sean, but uh, perhaps you can hear it in my throat. The end of the season tends to come at the right time for a lot of us, and uh, here we are, 10-2 and Penn State, 2-10 and Rutgers, uh, a win in the books. Not a lot of pretty things to talk about in terms of Penn State's performance in this one. Always interesting. Rutgers seems to to take these games a lot deeper than people think it seems in recent years. But uh, 10 wins, it, it is, uh, surpasses the general expectations that they encountered this season. And now they will wait their fate to see what bowl game they are headed to. It's crazy to look at some of the scores, and you pulled them up... Uh... During the game and after the game,
0: but you know Rutgers has played Penn State probably better than anybody in the conference, and you know that's uh, deflating if you're Penn State, but it's it's also a trend not worth ignoring. So twenty-seven to six, Penn State's ten and two finishes the season that way. Going to go to a good bowl. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but uh, things shaping up for the Nittany Lions pretty well. Um, That game. Left a lot to be desired. I think that's saying it very nicely. Um, seven to three at halftime against Rutgers is not exactly where you want to be going into uh, into the locker room. But Penn State rebounded, won twenty seven to six. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt like. The stadium looked today. The student mm-hmm. section was empty. Uh, late arriving crowd. I mean, it was a 3.30 kickoff, but it had the feel of a September noon game, uh, you know, but uh, the team seemed to treat it that way as well. Uh, it's tough to tough to see them, you know, sort of take Rutgers. Ser- I mean, it kind of it was kind of like how we handled it this week. You know, we didn't talk a lot about Rutgers. We didn't talk about the threats that they might pr- provide for Penn State. And, you know, that's kind of the game that we saw today.
1: Yeah, considering the circumstances with Rutgers, with with the players that are entering the portal for them at a pretty high pace right now and the uncertainty at, at leadership spots, I give them credit. I, I said in my prediction, 45 nothing, that I just felt like they I didn't think they would have much juice left in the tank. They, I, they played hard. Yeah. I mean, they, they, Yeah, they played their butts the, off.
0: The running back, uh, Pacheo, uh, ran extremely hard. Um, you know, Penn State was better. There was no question about that from start to finish. But Rutgers, I feel, played Played harder, and they they did so for the uh, the interim head coach Nunzio Campanelli. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to be there next year, but uh, I mean he did uh, did a pretty good job with what he was
1: dealt, which wasn't much. Yeah, Rutgers nearly doubled Penn State in terms of total yards in the first half. I don't think anyone anticipated that happening. Um, ultimately, though, as we thought it might, uh, Penn State able to pour it on a bit, make that lead grow, and make the final score look a little bit better than it may have otherwise looked. Um, Now, there were some notable uh, guys missing for Penn State in this game, kind of were anticipating that the trajectory of this thing would be Sean Clifford on the sideline, that's how it turned out, Will Levis got his first career start, Some, some hits and misses, and we'll talk about some of those in a moment. Uh, but in terms of, of defense, you were without three starters for much of this game. Uh, you came into this matchup, no Etor Grosmatos at defensive end, no Tariq Castro-Fields at cornerback. Both those players, uh, I guess, dealing with undisclosed injuries were not part of pregame warm-ups. And then unfortunately for him on senior day, uh, fifth-year veteran John Reed goes down following a collision in the first quarter, stays down for a while, and, and that's it for him.
0: Yeah, that was unfortunate to watch. Watch John watch, walk off the field, and clearly that did, that did not end the way that he wanted it to end so you know your hat kind of goes off to him he's played hard for for several years he's had some injuries uh throughout the throughout his career but turnaround did some good things before we get to the actual game we'll talk about Penn State's biggest win today that came after in the post game Pat Frymuth tweets out he's coming back in 2020.
1: Savvy move by the young man. Uh, the sophomore comes out with a tweet while we're all uh, engaged with his teammates, uh, you know, with Franklin and after the post game stuff. And, uh, you know, Pat Frymouth, I mean, this was a can of worms that, you know, has been reported here specifically by you, Sean, for a few months now on lines 24-7. Obviously, that entered the public forum this month when, when Pat said during a press conference that he could uh, enter the 2020 draft. Automatically, everyone's kind of thinking, you know, is there a chance they lose Fryermuth and Hamler, both guys who are designated as sophomores? You thought you had, you know, uh, something growing a nucleus, and could it be all over so quickly? Pat Fryermuth is at least back, and and you, you cannot understate. How important that is for Sh- Sean Clifford, Will Levis, Ricky Ronnie, everybody, James Franklin, uh, because not only is, is Pat Friermuth uh, a stud of a, of a tight end, he has very, very, very quickly emerged as a, a tone setter for this team and the culture they want.
0: Yeah, just one catch for four yards today, but that's obviously the, that's obviously his wor- worst output of the year. Fryermuth is so big for them in the red zone; mm-hmm. he's so big for them, just c- coming up with big catches. He's got seven touchdowns this year. Um, should be should have been on the Mackey finalist list. We've talked about that probably too much um but uh yeah he's gonna come back and now this is something that you know this was we're kind of leaning to that uh to that direction but all of a sudden he starts racking up two touchdown, three touchdown games, and it makes the decision a little bit harder. He's a true sophomore, but he, he had this special exemption uh, available to him where he spent an extra year in high school, so he could have done it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all that's irrelevant now. He's coming back. Um, he's uh, very, you know, it seemed very, uh, we didn't talk to him in the post game, but his statement was very matter-of-fact. He wants to come back, improve, do some things. and And you mentioned this 2020 team could be really, you know, it's got the potential to be really big, and he's your number-two target guy um and, and for for all the, the the I guess the the weighted targets for for KJ Hamler and for Pat Friermuth to get that number two guy back I mean that's huge this tight end room is very very good but you take him and Nick Bowers out of the equation you're throwing in a new starter whether it be Zach Kuntz or Brenton Strange or maybe a freshman next year that's a that's a lot to reset so Pat Friermuth really uh, secures Penn State's uh,
1: offense uh, quite a quite a degree uh, coming back next year. Prior to this announcement, Sean, you're kind of thinking you need maybe both Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange to be on you know timelines where they're going to be ready to roll in 2020 in expanded roles. Now you think if one of those two guys can have his act together to be your number two guy, A third would be a luxury. We saw Zach Koontz for some extended time today. We saw a few guys. We'll get to some of that. But a huge announcement uh, coming our way. It's been a big, busy week here, week 12 of the season, in terms of off-field developments for Penn State. Uh, The comings and going to this team, Justin Shorter not with the team, a bizarre thing to kind of look at and and, and see him not involved out there when we saw him just a week ago get three catches in a Penn State uniform against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, uh, Sean, looking at this matchup, um, you know, we talked about the guys who were missing, uh, but one guy who was playing, and, and and he always brings a lot of energy. I, I'm not sure if people saw his pregame speech that was caught on a cell phone or whatever by a fan, but kind of going to remind some people of what Sean Clifford does before don't, these games. Don't watch it around your kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't watch around some not-suitable-for-work stuff, but Will Levis, another emotional competitor, um, I think it's very fair to say, and it's something we have said, a lot to build on as a passer, finished 8 of 14, 81 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That one touchdown at 44 yards to Jahan Dotson on a, on a botched snap that he picked up. Uh, threw to Jahan. It wasn't a great pass. Then Dotson makes a move and is able to outrace uh, a few Rutgers defenders. A little bit of help from K.J. Hamler gets to the end zone. You take that one off the board, he's, he's at you know fewer than 50 passing yards, and, and this one's a, a lot closer. Uh, but on the ground, he got it done again, team high, game high. 108 yards on 17 carries, and one of two Penn State 100 yard rushers, Journey Brown, must be paid attention to. Three 100 yard games in November, Sean. And uh, the kid is on a roll, and unfortunately, we found out post game um, that he lost a cousin earlier this week. It was an emotional time for him. He spent about 48 hours or so off campus with his family, showed back up on Tuesday for the first practice of the week was ready to roll from there, and three touchdowns tonight, and he was doing it with a purpose, as he told us afterwards, dedicating that one to his cousins, uh, to his cousin and, and to his family that is going through a tough week. At some point, there's going to be a
0: story that comes about a Journey. About journey. Um, he's not ready to tell those stories yet, but Journey's been through a lot of stuff, uh, specifically in the last two years. He's really responded well. This is a guy that we weren't sure how he would respond to the summer suspension. He went back home and worked out. Uh, to his credit, it's just it may have been the best thing for him. And, uh, you know, you weren't sure where he would be from a maturity standpoint, from an off the field standpoint. But he has he has grown so much in the last year and in the last couple of weeks, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's you can talk about the Penn State offense all you want and how it's been really discombobulated over the last month or so. Um, but Journey Brown really hasn't been that guy. Journey Brown's uh, taking it to the next level. Uh, you have the numbers in front of you, I I'm do. sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was he was very good once again today, and he's getting it done in a way that we didn't really see him, uh, you know, progressing in that game. I mean, he's getting he's being physical. He's running inside. They didn't have Noah Kane today, but Journey Brown was running inside. He got uh, a nice eight, another 18-yard touchdown run. But you got to tip your hat to Journey Brown. He's been this team's MVP uh, offensively, probably over the last month of the season. Um, but but really, I mean, it's just if you know his story, you know what he's gone through. James Franklin said after the game, not many people or no no player has overcome more adversity. You got to tip your hat to Journey Brown. He's done a phenomenal job.
1: First two thirds of this season, a big conversation was the running back rotation. Who would be the hot hand on any given week? Noah Kane seized a moment, then almost immediately suffered an injury at Michigan State. Since then, since the second bye week in November, Penn State played four games. Sean, in those four games, Journey Brown, 470 yards, seven touchdowns on 69 touches. His previous 16 games in his career before this November, 439 yards five touchdowns on 67 touches so he's surpassed those totals this month alone Noah Kane uh, being dinged up no doubt impacts that but very clear he's entrenched himself as a key component of Penn State's offensive backfield what they want to accomplish and, and I think he's somebody that you look across this entire roster you can make a case for a guy here a guy there but just as we said in our midseason report when we had some uh, you know some some picks for for awards or considerations and all that, I think it's really hard to go wrong saying Journey Brown is the breakout player of this Penn State squad. And he's
0: been running with patience, but he's also been running aggressively. He's picked up some nice fourth downs for them over the last couple of weeks, and he didn't have to do that today. Um, But they really leaned on him, and they leaned on Will Levis in that running game. And to be quite frank, Levis as a passer, very green, um, still hasn't really gotten to where he needs to go. You see the big (laughs) arm come out on some of these out patterns and things like that, but Really not a big or not much feel for the deep ball now it's his first start. It's his, you know it's second uh, extensive action when you take into account Ohio State so you don't expect it to be there right away. He had some trouble with that today. it, co- it cost Penn State. It, 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 you know it ended drives, it uh, did some things. I mean it's just uh, so the passing game was not there. He, he threw 14 times. he targeted KJ Hamler eight times. Um, so really the, the spreading the ball around uh. wasn't there. <laughs> um, so it was really not much to, to like coming out of today. I mean, you, you would have liked to go out and put it on Rutgers, give yourself some confidence coming out of there, give yourself some style points, which obviously this win, you know, a 27 to six win, you got, you got to hope that the committee was watching some Alabama Auburn or, or Minnesota Wisconsin, you know, maybe take your eyes off of the Penn state game. But, uh, You know, getting back to the offense, uh, we're we're not going to go chronologically. We usually do that. I sat upstairs and banged my head against the table for most of this game because that's what it felt like uh, just watching it. Um, But really, I mean, you put a lot on Will Levis, and he ran well. Penn State's offensive line, probably one of their poorer outputs uh, for for the season so far. Uh, Rutgers came after them. They, They played aggressive. They went to, you know, they blitzed them a lot. Penn State's uh, offensive line could not really handle that. Uh, you know, you're you're kind of throwing some things trying to screw up Will Levis, and they did a nice job doing it. Um, but where he's at is at his best is in the run game. Um, he made some good reads today, had some big runs. He had a big drive where you know they they they, they, they uh, it was nine excuse me it was nine plays, seventy six yards all on the ground for a touchdown. Um, that's what you're going to get with Will Levis at, at this point in his career. I think he can pr- improve as a passer. I think that's going to take some time, take some experience, but I think they're going to get some positives out of playing him for most of this game. They took him out for the last series, put in Taequann Roberson in the red zone. Um, But you got a lot of tape on Levis. You got a lot of experience points. Got him out in Beaver Stadium playing against a different colored jersey. Um, So that certainly uh, is something you can build on with Will Levis. But there's a long way to go for him.
1: And they certainly showed confidence early in the game, facing a fourth and three in the first quarter. He goes and picks up six yards on a run to move the chains. They ended up punting on that drive, but he had a 14-yard run, a 30-yard run, uh, a 49-yard run. These are some explosive plays coming from Will Levis. Uh, his two longest runs of the day, 30 yards, 49. Both of those resulted in Journey Brown touchdown runs that followed up a play or two later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, we've said it before. The the arm strength is there. But very clearly, uh, the, the, he's not hitting on all cylinders. Uh, on few cylinders when he's looking deep right now, Sean, because he had K.J. Hamler streaking downfield for a touchdown. He had Jahan Dotson uh, in a situation where it shouldn't have been that difficult for him to to cross the plane. Um, You know, look...
0: He threw an interception downfield to Daniel George, who, you know, he underthrew that one too, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's just no feel. I mean, there's really no feel for his deep ball, and that that takes time. And I he mean, threw 14 times, so it's yeah. not like the
1: coaching staff is sitting there saying, "Let's let's air this thing out." Yeah, today.
0: and uh, and and you know, with I mean, you're not sure with Clifford if it's an arm strength issue. You know, with Will Levis is not an arm strength issue. It's a you know a confidence. It's a touch issue. Um, so I mean, I think that's something that's fixable. We'll see where that goes in the next uh, couple of months.
1: From a personnel standpoint, too, to dissecting this passing game where it is at. Through 12 weeks is tricky. You mentioned Fryermuth, you know, not not getting a a very productive day today. And we know he's going to get his looks. And and Hamler had eight uh, targets. But five catches, one of those was for 17 yards. The other four receptions that Hamler had, combined five yards All I mean, the they line were trying of to get him yeah, yeah they were trying to get him in, in spots where he could make a man miss move downfield it didn't happen John Dotson his one catch was huge it, it was a big separation in this game and Daniel George got in the score sheet for what feels like a, quite some time since he's been active uh, getting the start today as well uh, Justin Shorter as we said not with the team uh geez, we saw guys like Dancha Chacena Weston Carr out there um, it's tough to decipher right now what this group's all about. You throw in a quarterback making his first career start, was smart to lean on the run game. They needed to do it. Um, and, you know, it was also, I, guess, I suppose, considering the injuries and some of the, the personnel issues that they're dealing with offensively in that passing game, not the worst week to play Rutgers as well.
0: You could say that about the passing game. You know, for the last month or so, really yeah. not much rhyme or reason to it. Whether, regardless of if it's Clifford or if it's, or if it's Will Levis, so um, not, that, that's something that's got to be figured out because you obviously can't. You know, you got to throw the ball more than 14 times. Now, on the flip side, when you're running the ball the way they're running the ball, and then you go back to the passing game, there was a. Uh, I have it written down here, but there was a a three and out where, you know, the the second drive of the game, I believe, Penn State threw the ball three times. Uh, He got sacked on the third down, I believe. Uh, But uh, that's just not going to get it done. I mean, when you're trying to go forward, I mean, you talk about – what James Franklin says about Noah Cain, how he's going to fall forward, how he's going to go, well, that's how this run game should have been today. I mean, this is just a forward momentum type thing. When you've got a guy that's 6'4 half, two hundred forty 240 pounds, who can you showed off he can run, you got to get going forward, and that's something that Penn State didn't do. And then when they did it, they went away from it, which is uh, obviously a criticism uh, uh, on the play calling, on the, the approach that they took to this game.
1: Penn State, again, 81 passing yards, but 252 rushing yards, uh, the, the big – Contributors there, as we said, Will Levis, 108 yards, 6.4 per carry. Journey Brown, 103 yards, 6.4 per carry. And then look who shows up third in this list, Sean. Uh six six yards a pop on six carries himself. Ricky Slade. Uh, you know, people were very quick, I think, to lump him and Justin Shorter together. He's coming off of the, the team rules violation, um, absence against Ohio State. The shorter news comes up, those two came in as heralded players in the same class. And Ricky Slade, to his credit, I mean, I can only imagine how important it was to him for him to get back out here in front of the Beaver Stadium crowd, make some positive plays. And he actually, he had his longest gain of the day called back because of an extremely questionable, I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> the it, debt's putting it mildly the dude tackled, on Pat Fryermuth He tackled Pat yeah.
0: Frymuth, and then they called a holding on Frymuth. Uh, it was it was that kind of day, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ricky Slade probably looked be- it probably looked better than he's looked all season. Uh, he looked quicker, a little more decisive. I don't know if you can do that in a week or two, um, but he just looked uh, he looked it. So I also
1: don't know if you can read into this so much or whatnot, but he led the running backs through all their drills and pregame warmups. He didn't start the game; that was Journey Brown again. I haven't noticed if that's been a common game in game out game out. Or if it was more of a sign with that running back room saying, Ricky, we we got your back.
0: Yeah. And and James Franklin said some interesting things on Wednesday night at practice where, you know, he was asked about Slade's status. He said he's back. He's, you know, he's done a good job of handling the adversity. Um, Bumping the
1: road is what he called it, right? Yeah.
0: You know, maybe that was pointed towards shorter a little bit, but Slade has done a good job bouncing back and he, you know, he had a productive day for what he was asked to do on Saturday. Uh, Defensively, Penn State. you know, gave up six points, two field goals. Uh, you know, you you didn't feel that watching them. I mean, it looked like you know sleepwalking was uh, you know brought up of several times on our boards on online twenty four seven, which it's tough to disagree with. I mean, it looked like Micah Parsons and everyone else. Uh, Rutgers did a nice job moving the ball. They got some third down conversions. They got a bunch of first downs. Um, couldn't punch it in. The talent level very you know very different. You could see that from from the box. But uh, yeah, the defense just a a pretty decent game. There was Michael Parsons. Cam Brown ended up making some plays. I thought uh, Trent Gordon played a probably sneaky good game. Um, But yeah, I mean, it just wasn't that overwhelming defensive effort that you thought you might see today, especially because they played pretty well against Ohio State last week.
1: Michael Parsons finishes the regular season five of the last six games, getting double digit tackle totals. Uh, Gonna lead this team again for a second consecutive year in tackles. Uh, also picks up his third sack of the season today, um, and he's a guy that just continues to, to find his momentum. And uh, he is a Buckus Award finalist, top linebacker in the country. Quite an achievement, I think. He's not going to come away with the hardware this year, but uh, he sets himself up nicely. He's made about yeah. every kind of. Uh, statement you could hope for in a sophomore season. Very much a progression over the course of the year. I think he's definitely a different player when we watch him right now than, than say, if we were to go back and look at the Buffalo game.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's developing as a linebacker, which you know was probably one of Penn State's biggest goals this year. They know exactly what he can do or what he's capable of, and he's really done a nice job of, of adjusting to playing within the system and doing some things. When he closes, man, I, I, it's so fun to watch. Uh, there was a play that got to the Forest Island to the Penn State sideline, and he's running beside Shane Simmons and just dusts him. I mean, just leaves him in the dust, goes and makes the tackle, makes the play on the edge. Um, he's that kind of closer, and uh, he's just a phenomenal football player. Um, beyond that um, I mean not a ton of uh, of takeaways I mean you look at where Penn State got their final or excuse me not their final touchdown but really the nail in the coffin they ran the bounce pass play which has been very good for them (laughs) they dropped the snap and bounces right back to the quarterback finding Jahan Dotson who made a really really big effort play to get in the end zone got a nice block from KJ Hamler down there that kind of put it away and when you you know 20 to 6 at that point uh, obviously Rutgers is probably not going to come back and go to, go up and down the field on you a couple times to score. Um, but that that was pretty much in it or in, in the bag there. Um, but yeah, I mean just I don't want to say it's uninspired because it's your 10th win and you obviously you know you went undefeated at home again this year, something Penn State to under James Franklin's been very good at the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you just you just leave this game thinking, man, a win's great, but that's uh, that's not where you want. This was the twelfth uh, game of the season. It certainly was not the apex of the season.
1: No, and and look, there's a lot of play, plays out there where we saw guys lingering on the field a little bit longer. And I, I mentioned this before the Ohio State game. Where is this team physically right now? They've had a, they had a great run for much of the season, really through the first two thirds of the year, uh, in terms of health and not missing guys. Noah Kane goes down now. Sean Clifford's banged up. You got three starters missing on defense over the course of this game, and I think generally um, we, we see, we've seen these guys play better football. That's not not any secret than we have uh, during recent weeks. I do think Sean, when you look at kind of the way this this team came onto the field today and and and, and, and closed it out, I, I you know I, I think there's something to be said uh, about their ability to march ahead and kind of refocus, recalibrate and, and and realize they could achieve something big with the bowl game because they're gonna be in a marquee matchup against a, a very solid opponent. We don't know who it will be yet. But I think they're they're happy to be able to take the foot off the gas pedal for a moment here. Get healthy, uh, but it seems Get a like break. It, it, yeah. it, and, and Micah Parsons said uh, he's very much looking forward to, to just spending time with his dogs tomorrow and, and 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 just enjoying a Sunday where he doesn't have to focus on the next opponent. Although that's what he he loves to do, you know. There comes a point for for everybody where you just you got to hit the pause button. And I do think this team coming away with its tenth win. Regardless of the fashion it did, there's a lot of pride in that room for them to get to 10 wins. They understand um, it's it's something that should not be taken for granted. Uh, the style points certainly are going to matter in a lot of ways, but I think to the playoff committee, they, they have viewed Penn State uh, a lot better than I think the average observer to this point. You look at how the rankings are reflected, look at the credit they gave Ohio State for beating Penn State, and as things start to settle across the college football landscape here in the Big Ten, beyond... Um, this team's going to be in an excellent position to go get a ton of off momentum from whatever matchup awaits.
0: Yeah, and, and we're in that splitting hairs season, and I think this you know twenty-seven to six over Rutgers is an impressive. But if Sean Clifford starts and you win twenty-seven to six, right. that changes some things. So you get the backup, you know, you get a little bit of a you know a wiggle room with a backup quarterback starting and, and things like that. It, so I think they'll be you know okay. The big thing is you know in Alabama lost today, but that Wisconsin game was big for Penn State. Wisconsin obviously wins the Big Ten West, is going to go out to uh, Indianapolis next weekend,
1: probably going to lose to Ohio State. If they lose to Ohio State, I mean, you got to think Penn State's Rose Bowl bound. And will be Rose Bowl bound. So, you know, not, not a bad outcome for this one. I know Micah Parsons was kind of asked where he'd like to play, and he said uh, L.A. all the way. You know, he wants to get out there to the West Coast. That's and a surprise, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, it, again, it's going to be a great opportunity for them when, when they get to that point. Um, looking at how things stand now, um, Quickly, it sounds like Sean Clifford, based on James Franklin's post-game comments, uh, you know this was done in order to kind of set him up to be available for the bowl game and, and manage that. Noah Kane, kind of exactly what we have heard throughout the month of November. He could have played. Penn State likes the running back depth; they feel that they can lean on other guys, as they did today with Journey Brown. And they want Kane fully ready to roll for bowl game preparation and into whatever that matchup is. So,
0: and no offense, that's the nice thing about having Rutgers at the end of the year. You don't have to play those guys, and they and they played some young guys today. We mentioned Roberson, Joey Porter got into his fourth game, uh, Caden Wallace got into his fourth game. So maybe not the uh, uh, the experience that you wanted to get maybe you wanted to see them play the entire second half they weren't in that position the game flow did not dictate that Um, but they got some more guys some some experience Uh, Tyler Rudolph I think recovered a fumble Uh, so you get some of those freshmen some time in there
1: unfortunately there was no Nick Urey in this one Um, and Franklin even lamented uh, not being able to get Michael Schuster Senior quarterback in there. We did see Roberson, as you said. I think he'd love a a redo on his first college appearance there down at the goal line. Um, But yeah, working those guys in. And cornerback is a spot where, boy, they're, they're working in a lot of those true freshmen. A lot of these drives, you saw true freshmen opposite of each other. Marquise Wilson, Joey Porter Jr., Keaton Ellis with his first career start. So... Uh, like, uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see because, uh, you know, all due respect to the 16 young men or you know, young adults, I guess you could say now, moving on with their lives from from this uh, Senior Day ceremony, you look at that list and, and, and you know, there are certainly some starters there. There are veteran presences, but you don't say, wow, this is going to be a major chunk out of what they want to accomplish. And throw in Pat Friarmoose's announcement. You know, seeing a lot of those young guys on the field today kind of does remind you that that, that Penn State, They've got more tricks up their sleeve, uh, you know. Moving ahead with this roster.
0: Yeah, they got to get some things fixed on offense, but we'll we'll see. I mean, they've got the talent to get it done. I believe. Uh, you, you know, you could see. Uh, you'd like to elevate that wide receiver room, especially with shorter uh, likely not coming back. Um, so we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. One more thing a senior. uh, We were joking in the box. You said, can a Penn State player or can any player be Big Ten Player of the Week after playing Rutgers? I said no. I might have had a mistake there because Blake Gillikin was phenomenal in his final game in in Beaver Stadium. He had one of the best punts you'll ever see, a Mm 72-yard job right down, I think, to the two or the three-yard line, averaged uh, 49.2 yards per punt. I don't think uh, you can understate how much he's changed the punting game for Penn State in the last five years uh, to back, I mean, back before he got here it was abysmal. Um, he took that next step and and really, you know, could have used some of this last week in, in Columbus. But at the same time, I mean, he's been he's been a tremendous punter for a long, long time, and probably a guy we don't talk about enough.
1: He already held the the program record for most punts of sixty five yards or more. Tax onto that, he destroyed that thing. It just absolutely <laughs> flew. And and the, the Rutgers punter had a
0: good day too, but. Gillikin, man, uh, and it seems like in this final game of the year, he did it last year too. In the Citrus Bowl, had a big, a really big punt, but uh, yeah, he just let it fly and uh, happened to, to to go dead at the two yard line, and they covered it up. And really good effort from Gillikin today. And he's a guy, you know. I'm not sure where Jordan Stout stands as your
1: punter for next season, but you know, you're gonna miss a guy like Gillikin in that room. We spoke with Blake earlier this week, and that's who he went to. He said Jordan Stout, he thinks is is gonna be ready to handle that. Uh, you know, he, he's not sure if they'll bring in anybody else, but uh, that's a conversation we can get into in the off season. But yeah, major tip of the cap to Blake Gilligan, who, by the way, if it doesn't work out for him playing professional football, uh, Franklin has said, he would love to get him back as the team surgeon. So it's nice to have your options. And, and he's got a bunch of them. Those decent Gilligan. little fallback. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Yeah, so, Blake's
0: doing big thing. He, he's going to, he's going to be successful, whatever he does.
1: Well, Sean, week one, we saw this team beat Idaho 79 to seven. And most people were still thinking eight wins, nine wins. We see them beat Rutgers in less convincing convincing fashion, but here they are. December is arriving tomorrow. This is a 10-win team. I've mentioned this stat uh, a bunch of times on the podcast. I'll do it one more time. Three double-digit win totals in a four-year span for the first time since 1993 through 1996. By the way, James Franklin, speaking of his success, was asked post-game, What's going on? People are trying to tie your name to Florida State. We keep hearing about USC. That's not the way the question was phrased, but I think he's well aware of the reports that are out there. We wonder you how think? they get out there. Oh yeah, He's certainly <laughs> well aware. Um, and It's it nice to be wanted, but again, stressing that he loves the situation they have. He loves the players, the staff. He's just not quite ready to announce anything further than that. Just and, yet. And yeah, yeah. yeah, just he, yet. So. Yeah, you, you
0: could see him hitting in an extension there. I don't <laughs> yeah. think there's any any question about that. So uh, I'm sure there's just some things to get worked out, and uh, the time and the place will be there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, his name's going to keep coming up until it's you know, we throw a bucket of water on it, and then next year at this <laughs> time we'll do it all over again.
1: And he says they'll be hitting the recruiting trail now. They got this, uh, you know, all of a sudden a time away from the football field. Great for the players to recuperate. Staff not so much. They'll be hit, they'll be hitting the the skies and, and roads and uh, pursuing future Penn State players. And by the way, Sean, not not to freak you out or anything, but we are less than three weeks away now from the early signing period. So um, the, the the beat marches on on this beat, and, and that's kind of where we'll be shifting our gears toward a little bit more bowl game announcement. By the way, uh, we'll find out where Penn State is headed. Not tomorrow, but the following Sunday, December 8th. That's after all the conference championship games have been played. And again, Big Ten title determined Indian in Indianapolis next Saturday. Ohio State versus Wisconsin. The common thought here, Sean, is Ohio State win. They go on to the playoff and Penn State finds its pathway to Pasadena. We'll find out if that's the the real deal, but as we close up shop here, I'm, I'm first off. I'm glad we were able to pull this off after each game, even when we were very far away from each other and uh, in, in our designated areas. But I'm glad it, I'm glad we could pull it off uh, for a 12th and final time as. Uh, Man, my voice is not really wanting to do much more. Not so much, no. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been cool. Uh, all 12 games,
0: you mentioned, and we're going to do it for the bowl game, uh, assuming we're both going to be there. Um, but yeah, it's been great having you guys listen and follow along. I know this is kind of a different format than you're used to. It's different than we're used to as well, but uh, we're, we're happy that you guys could come along for the ride. So for our last uh, sign-off here in Beaver Stadium for, for 2019, we want to thank you guys for following along. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. This is the Lions 24-7 Post Game Podcast. Thanks for listening.